Welcome once again to another episode of Demand Gen Radio, the one program that brings you all the latest methods and technologies for driving growth and increasing demand. With the voice of Demand Gen, David Lewis. All right, welcome everybody to another episode of Demand Gen Radio. I've got back on the program Randy Frisch, and Randy and I did, I think it was episode 16 in February of 2017, we did a podcast together talking about Uberflip and their platform for content publishing, and we talked a lot about uh, the Netflix model and, and ways to binge content. And here we are over a year and a half later, and I want to have Randy back on the program because he and I spent a lot of time on the road earlier this year, and we were talking about positioning and messaging and categories, and I think it is just a great topic that all of us in marketing can really relate to as our companies and products evolve. I certainly remember Randy back in the day when it was Apple Computer, and they're no longer called that. Also, a couple of years ago when Google decided to come out with Alphabet, right, because of their business changes. So welcome back, my good friend. How are you and the team? I'm good. I'm good. I mean, it's crazy. First of all, congrats on doing, I guess, 50 some odd more episodes since. I'm glad I didn't kill the podcast. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, a year and a half, that's that's like 12 years in, in dog years in the tech world, right? It so sure is. It's, it's been, you know, we're both probably a little grayer and and things like that. But uh, it's good to be back on and chat about this stuff. It, it is. I mean, so much changes in our industry. Um, I talk a lot about that, right, on the podcast. Just just change the book that I'm working on. By the way, I'm 30,000 words into my book. That's that's a major milestone, the, the book wow. that I'm working on. So good progress. Nice. That's probably why I sound a little tired. I'm a little hoarse Sorry. because I was out in Denver yesterday, and I was with the Marketo Enterprise Sales Team and uh, working with them on their go-to-market strategy. So it was a long day, but I'm back. That's cool. Writing a book's hard, man. Like I'm, I'm doing it too right now, and uh, I don't know. Maybe we'll have our books out at the same time. We could tell war stories, but mine's, mine's coming in January, and uh, it's it's a real. It, it, there's no shortage of ideas to put down. It's like how you structure it's so important, which yeah. you know comes back to your point. It's all it's all how you message stuff. It's all how you structure things, um, and uh, you know it's definitely an area that we've kind of been taking a second look at, right? Like we've, you know, the last year and a half alone, our, our company here at Uberflip has grown up a lot. You know, we've, we've seen the market catch up in a lot of ways and it's, it's kind of challenged us on how do we want to go to market? Right. And, you know, as you said, we're kind of lost from those days of this is our go to market and we're going to run with it for the next five years. Right. I mean, it's just doesn't work that way anymore. But how did it co- how did it come up? Like, did you just wake up one day and say, "Is our positioning and messaging strategy on on point?" Like, how did that happen? Yeah, you know, it, it, there was a couple of things that happens. First of all, you know, for me and and for Uberflip, our big buzzword is content experience, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, when I'm out at an event and and you find me, I'm gonna find a way to cleverly get people talking about content experience, right? Or or when we do our big conference, we pull people in and they start to talk about content experience. But I kind of had this aha moment one one day where I was like kind of thinking about a lot of those conferences. And if I'm not there, are people actually talking about content experience, right? It's kind of the, you know, if a tree falls, does it make a noise in the forest, right? No one's there. And, and I, I realized to myself, 
you know, I'm trying to drive that and and with the early adopters for my space. And I think this is for, you know, anyone listening to this. Think about what is what is the term that you're trying to build for your audience? And as much as you think you can push that agenda, will people naturally talk about it when you're not there? And as we've continued to grow, you know, we've we've done really well with people who have bought into content experience early and who, of course, we have to educate, but you know, they're ready. They're they're the early adopter. But now we're kind of at this this growth stage. And what we realized is we've got to get all those other people who, you know, maybe a little little bit more focused on other things. And at those events, and, and you and I you talked about it. We we see each other at so many events. And when we're there, what are those conversations that people just naturally end up talking about on the side, mm-hmm. right? It's not it's not content experience. I'll, I'll kind of like give into that. It's it's things like inbound. It's things like demand generation, ABM, and the fourth one I would put out there is like sales enablement, sure. right? Like those are those are the four topics that people end up thinking about. So if we don't figure out a way to tie ourselves to the things that are keeping marketers up at night, then, you know, we're, we're going to other, if we don't, we're going to be left to the side. I'll, I'll give you a, an example that happened with an actual customer. And this actually cut me up. So I, I have this, this guy who I know, let's call him Kyle. Um, cause I haven't, I haven't told him I'm going to talk about this. So okay. we'll, we'll just call him Kyle at a Kyle. high level. Kyle's a good guy though. Um, and Kyle's company was taking a look at, at Uberflip. They wanted to use Uberflip. And because Kyle and I know each other, we'll like send each other text messages and, you know, kind of, you know, just talk marketing strategy or, you know, check in on how each other's families are. And so I kind of wanted to know how his buying experience was going with us. I wasn't involved in the pitches and things like that. And he shot me a message basically outlining that, you know, the team really likes what we do, but they're looking at, at Uberflip as a resource center, which is a great use case for sure, us. Yeah. Um, but when they look at, at the price of it versus they look at, say, the price to overdo their entire website, which they're doing, they were having trouble justifying it, right? And absolutely, that made sense to me because I looked at it and said, well, that's not what Uberflip's just gonna do. The, the resource center is one use case, it's great to, to go that route, but you've gotta start to think of this as you're buying the ability to run marketing campaigns tied to all these use cases that you are worried about. And I wrote to him things like inbound, things like demand gen, things like ABM, things like sales and anyone, like the four that I told you that people actually care about. Mm-hmm. Because as, as I said, like people are not sitting there talking about content experience or they're not sitting at the conference and you and I don't jump into a corner and say like, how are you gonna approach your resource center this year, right? right. Like those aren't the things so what we realized is we had to start to tie ourselves to these more, you know, marketing strategies that people are losing sleep over. And mm-hmm. Kyle wrote back to me, he's like, that makes a lot of sense. Let me go chat with my team, right? Um, so I, I think what you what we have to do sometimes is is really take a step back and look at everything we're trying to preach. Is it is it going to position our solution as a point solution or a platform? In our case, we want to be viewed as a platform or priced as a platform, but we need to make sure that the leaders in the organizations understand as a result the various ways that we help address the, the biggest problems in their organization. To me, that's that's how we capture someone's attention. And let me let me ask you some things. By the way, 
uh, a good mutual colleague and friend, uh, Daniel Gogler, you know, from PFL, episode 65, so just a couple back, he and I did a podcast that if you like where Randy are going, listen to that one as well, because it's why and how to establish a new category for your product or service. And we talked a lot about tactile marketing, which was a category that they invented and why they, they did that. And we talked about the 22 immutable laws of marketing and, and the importance of defining category. I want to ask you a question, which is, why do we feel this need to be constantly, let's say, refreshing or, or honing in our messaging? I, I will tell you before you answer that question, you know, when I started DemandGen in 2007, there really was only one marketing automation system. There wasn't a marketing technology category. And so, like, what was on the homepage of our website and what we were doing was, let's call it X at the time, and X was helping people with the use and adoption of marketing automation, in fact, a particular system. Fast forward decades later, we now support companies on many different marketing automation systems. We help them with all their marketing technology. We help them with their digital marketing strategy. You know, we do X and Y and Z. And and because we do all of that stuff, the leadership team and I sit down and talk about when do we need to freshen our messaging and positioning. And where I'm coming back to is, is, is that important? I mean, is it, to your point about, I like the tree uh, analogy, like, is it important to us or is it important to our audiences? Because when they come to us or find us, they're searching for problems, right? Like if I'm looking for a great burger to eat in Denver, I'm, I'm searching for great burger restaurants in Denver. I'm not searching for a positioning or messaging statement of a company. And that's, and that's your point. So why do you think we, why do we think we feel that we have to keep, you know, freshening some of the positioning and messaging as opposed to focusing more on, you know, are we searchable, findable, and and do we have an answer to the pain or need that they're looking for? Well, I think one of them is, you know, your fast forward definition there was what, how many years? 10 years? Yeah. I think you said. Yeah. I mean, 10 years is not that long, right? I mean, you know, fast forward, I, I you know, forward, I think back to the future. I mean, they, they went decades, right? To, yeah. to see like, you know, some sort of change uh, in terms of what people were expecting. We're seeing that change happen so quickly. I mean, let, let's look at, at one of those buzzwords that we talked about that we're trying to tie ourselves to and many marketers are trying to execute on right now, which is ABM, mm-hmm. right? If you look at, at the Gartner hype cycle uh, for ABM, it wasn't even on the map, right? You know, two years ago for Gartner's hype cycle. And now it's it's kind of at that top of, of that cliff Right. Where people have really high expectations from it in terms of what they're looking for on that on that front. And as a result, I, th- I think the answer to your question is the way people are thinking about their strategy is changing so quickly. And as a result, for us to just sit there and say, OK, well, we're going to tie ourselves to and to your point. Let's go back 10 years ago. I think the only thing people were talking about was inbound marketing. And I don't think inbound marketing has gone, but you know, there's been a shift to understand the balance, if you will, between inbound and ABM, right? I think even companies like HubSpot almost have to like live with that ABM term that they they helped coin when really they they themselves realize it's a balance, right? I mean, they have really strong sales tools as well to go out to market and prospect on their side. So I think a lot of people have realized that the way we go to go to market as as a marketer has so many different approaches. So even look at the relationship that Uberflip has with DemandGen. I mean, what, two, three years ago, we didn't know each other that well, David, right? Like, you know, 
in passing, but like now we're figuring out and we're working closely with you on customers who are trying to figure out, okay, how do I manage content at scale? Right. These are all new ideas. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm surprised candidly how close the two companies have gotten in a two year time frame because we have lots of different partners and of course there's thousands of different marketing technologies. And I think one of the reasons that the companies do work so well together and we're helping your clients be successful is we are both a partner and a client, right? So we know firsthand what it takes to deploy Uberflip, why you would do it and that type of stuff. So um, following your Kyle uh, you know, reference, um, I have a prospect that we are heavily engaged with, making good progress on, and they're about to migrate from one marketing automation system to another, something we're doing more and more these days, of course. And they have over a thousand landing pages. And those landing pages, you know, of course, have forms on them. So as they migrate, they need to take into consideration that need, that pain. And so what we're already doing with them is rather than just saying, we can help you and think about moving from this one way that you've been approaching it to, let's say, having a global form and dropping embed code to do that. Have you thought about merchandising your content just even differently than the way that you did it years ago when you set all this up, right? Come, coming back to the category, um, last weekend, my mom was in town, and my mom's 82. And our family's a very big Disney's family. I'm sure I've mentioned that on the program before. So we <laughs> nice. took mom to San Francisco, and we went to the Disney Museum, which I highly recommend. If, if you live in the Bay Area, go do it and play tourist for the day. And if you come to the Bay Area, carve out time. It's over in the Presidio. Beautiful area. Great views of the Golden Gate. It's, it's a wonderful day, and you can wrap up at Ghirardelli and get yourself some ice cream. So there. Hey, you know, now you got a trip planned. Here's the point. Walt Disney is a genius. Like It was amazing to go through the museum and see his vision go from ideas in his head to reality. And Disneyland is still positioned as the happiest place on earth. And the reason that he created Disneyland, and I'm not spoiling, by the way, any need to, any reason not to go <laughs> to the program, but the reason that he created Disneyland is that when he would take his kids and other grandkids to a theme park, he found himself sitting on the bench reading while they would enjoy a ride and, and then get back together. And it wasn't interactive. And he said, I want to create a place where, you know, kids of all ages, adults too, can enjoy their time together and have it. But Disney's never pivoted from their messaging, and yet we are, and, and technology companies are. So many of our clients start off as one thing and expand, especially through acquisitions. So is this, is this the new normal, or are we not being disciplined enough about thinking through our positioning more longer term? What do you think? First of all, it's Great question, and I'm a big Disney fan too. And I, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this out there. I, I know I've tried to get you to Connex, which is our big event at the end of August in Toronto. Now I'm gonna offer like a comp ticket to your mother because we have uh, Matthew Lund. Do you know Matthew? He's from one Pixar. of the pick, yeah. yeah, from Pixar. So he's one of our speakers, and he's gonna talk all about like how they approach storytelling and how they map storytelling to what's going on. And and I'll use that as as you know, for, by the way, the, the comp tickets for your mother. For you, I'll give you $100 off. You know what, yeah. Randy? When you asked me the other day, I'm embarrassed. Thank you. I'll take it because when I when you asked me the other day what's happening with comics, I'm like, I don't I don't know what we're doing. And then I, like the next day or later, 
Tiffany's like, oh yeah, we're definitely involved in the conference. Like we have a big participation. And I'm like, oh, nice. I don't know. Okay, good. We're I'm, going. I but I will, I will either take you. I'll take that hundred dollars on a ticket price. Maybe ex- let's let's extend that. To, do you have a like a promotion code or something we can give to people? I, what I will do is I will get you one. We'll put it in the notes uh, to the show, and that way, if if people want to access it, they can. Beautiful. To be honest, I don't that, know one off the top. Of my well, head. I'm 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 jealous. I think some people know I'm I'm out on the circuit uh, doing a great keynote on the power of storytelling. But if you got someone from Pixar to talk, well, you know he's he's got a pedigree that I don't. So I'm looking forward to that because I love <laughs> sessions on storytelling. Absolutely. Anyways, back to your actual question now. So this is I, I think. Disney's smarter than we ever expect, right? They are changing their positioning. They're changing how they how they go to market. They're they're listening. Math. I was actually chatting with Matthew because he's doing this keynote for us. So we were kind of we had that call to strategize, and he was actually talking to me. He's got another talk that he's not doing for us, but it's all on data, right? And it's how they use data to determine the type of content that they go and create, right? So the you know Disney as a as a park. In many ways, maybe we don't think has changed, but a lot of the rides, a lot of the things that attract people in, you know, there it's it's content that's designed for the type of audience. And we've heard of this over the years. I mean, um, was it House of Cards was completely generated based on the type of content people were looking for. They were able to to tell that people liked movies with Kevin Spacey before he was a horrible guy, um, and you know, and. Uh, and you know, and and tie that in with certain type of genre, et cetera, yeah. that they knew if they mixed them all together, they would in theory have a hit. So I think that there's a lot more that goes into that. And you know, the other thing that that amazes me about Disney, and I, I actually use Disney because I'm a fan, it's in some of the talks I do, where to me it's it's the same as a buyer journey, right? When you think about Disney and and I, it sounds like you've been to Disney World or Land, some of the rides, Many they're, times. they're not that right. So the rides aren't that good. Like what? in the what? No, let's listen. You know what? That's space, it. Podcast space is Mountain, over. Oh, yeah, we're not friends Mountain anymore. Is not the best ride. What makes it so good is the experience around it. Right? It's that when you're in line, there's there's this experience of anticipation that they built. When you come out of Space Mountain you're thrown into this post ride experience. And sometimes you're even thrown into like a space mountain store because they know how to, you know, put that of right course, they're call great to action, merchandisers. you yeah. know, in front of you at the end. Right. It's, and, and when you're done space mountain, they're thinking about where you're getting to next. Right. Um, you know, over the years, they even brought in ways so that you could plan your trip in a more personalized approach to you with things like their fast pass and things like that. So that you could make the most of that journey there. To me, that's no different than the things that we need to do as as marketers, whether we're B2C marketers or B2B marketers. It, it don't, don't think of it as it's Disney that's B2C. The same experience that you love, that your mother loves, that I love when I go to Disney World is the same experience I'm going to start to expect in my day to day. Right. Like, But you know what? When you talk, it's so obvious where the buzzword at your HQ of content experience comes from because you do think about the journey. You think about arriving at the website or how you got there. You think about the click and the consumption of the content and the consumption of the next piece. You think about all of those touch points. And that's that's why probably logically was something that you guys talk about so much. And and now you're now you're thinking what a repositioning? I mean is is it is it needed? It's, 
Or are you just tired of your own content? I don't think it's a repositioning. I think it's looking at the trends that are around and the way people are approaching that and matching what we do to that. So I'll give you a great example. I was in San Francisco yesterday, but it was two days ago. I had a meeting with uh, Laura Ramos. She's uh, one of the analysts over yep. at Forrester. No, Laura well. And, and Laura's great. Um, we were talking about account-based marketing. And she's actually written a paper lately on account-based engagement is what she's calling it. So she, not not that we're done figuring out how to tier our accounts and things like that. That's a big, big challenge for marketers and we got to get better at it. But her her point within her, her latest paper is that, you know, we have to think about the next step after that. And she gives four, she's got a blog post on this that people can find, but, but the third of four tips I love, and it, it aligns to what we just talked about with, with Disney. I'll, I'll read her words. It's choreograph the steps marketing and sales take to guide prospects around the dance floor to becoming customers, right? It's, it's this idea that we need to think about every next step that someone's going to take. Um, so for, for me at Uberflip, from a positioning perspective, it's not so much that I'm changing what we're all about. We've always been about driving people through a great experience. But what we need to do is be very aware of what's happening around us and how we elevate what we do to the conversations around us versus just always drive our own agenda. I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying I disagree, but I definitely want to poke holes in the idea. Like, Go for hear, it. I hear like me it. out on this because... I think marketers in MarTech, I don't want to offend anyone who's outside of MarTech, but I think the MarTech vendors, of which there's 7,000-ish, right, I think they try to get on the hype train, that they are there's so much pressure to grow and grow quickly that they're attaching themselves to something that's being hyped rather than taking a more Disney or more thorough step back and say, why, what is the mission of our company and what is our purpose? And let's stay centered on that. And rather than try to drop another ABM, you know, acronym on our booth graphic to try to get attention from people because it's a hype, you know, thing, like let's just really understand what the needs are and message and storytell around our solution of how it solves the needs of our clients. I, I just feel that there's a little bit of, let me attach to content marketing and then ABM and lead management yeah. and, you know, let me so grab actually, the next I, great thing so that I can get caught up in what's hot. I partially agree with you. I, I think there's a difference, though, between what you're cautioning marketers against and what I'm suggesting. So there's, there's repositioning your entire solution to be that buzzword, and then there's attaching to that buzzword. Right. So there are solutions out there from a from a tech perspective. And there's even service providers out there. Right. Who have said we are an ABM platform. Right. Or we are, you know, an agency to specifically help you with your ABM. Right. And to me, as we said earlier, just like inbound is not gone. It's just it's we use inbound and ABM together sometimes. It's like 
I, I like the the approach of your group, which is we're going to help you with your demand generation, yeah. right? We're going to help you, whatever that is. If it's ABM right now, we're going to help you with ABM. If it's you know inbound, we can help you with that as well. If you're trying to figure out how to better align sales and marketing, because that's going to push your demand gen further into opportunity, great. But if all of a sudden you're you're narrowing yourself to be that type of platform, as you said, what happens when that fad changes? or people realize that they're redefining it in a certain way. So at Uberflip, not just a, not just from a go-to-market perspective, but even from a product perspective, we made a really conscious decision, which was we didn't launch an ABM product, right? We, we didn't, you know, if you go in, you log into your own Uberflip instance, there's nothing in there that says the ABM tools or something like that. Right. But what we do do is we look at how people are executing their marketing strategy and we make sure that our platform lends itself to that so you know we have things that we market you know as as working very well for abm but we don't necessarily productize them in that way um because we believe that that next fad may be two years away and we don't want to have to you know live with all this debt in terms of what we've built it, it makes sense. And I, you know, my mom was back to mom. We were sitting on the couch and she said, honey, when my friends ask me what you do, what should I tell them? And I, <laughs> and I said, well, tell them whatever you want. You know, it, they probably don't understand anyway. You know, the podcast, the positioning of this podcast is the methods and technologies for driving growth. It's broad, but I try to stick to that. But have I done an episode you know, with Jeremy on, you know, the lessons you learn from failing. Yep. Have I done episodes on how to help sales become storytellers? Yep. That that's a method for driving growth. You know, so I, I sometimes the one I did with Henry Shook was uh, how a 23 year old built a $150 million company, you know, so I try to find relevant stories so people can take you know, pieces away, but I try to really stick to my positioning. I don't see demand gen radio ever covering politics, for example, and that type of stuff. I'm going to stay true to that. But I think as our companies evolve, that sounds safe. Sounds yeah, safe. Safe, very safe. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll lose half my listeners, which I work so hard to to have you join me and thank you. Um, but I, you know, companies companies don't change; they they evolve, and hopefully, they evolve successfully. And I think we just have to be cautioned as marketers, not to get bored with our own content and messaging, not to latch on something new just because it's new, but stay true to your mission, you know, your mission and your positioning. Certainly evolve and make sure that your messaging encompasses what you do, but just don't get bored of it and just try to grab something. That that's that's my advice. I applaud what you guys I, are doing because I, I think I like that approach though. I I I actually think that's that's what I'm alluding to. Mm -hmm. Um you know it, it because to your point, your your mission and your vision should remain the same. How how you execute on that though sometimes has to change. Part of the problem, I think, is especially for a lot of young companies, they've been out, the heads of marketing have been out with the other leaders and they've been out raising money and talking to venture capitalists and other companies. And they start off with a deck about here's who we are and here's our positioning and here's the category we're in and here's that. And they think that that stuff matters to their buyers, and it, it probably doesn't. In fact, all those first slides that you have in every sales deck with you know when your company was founded and how big you are and all that other stuff, that really doesn't matter either. Maybe it matters at some point, 
but why would you open describing how you're going to solve their problems with a story about yourself and your company? So get those slides out. I always say that. Get them out. You guys are good about that. Start with this. Yeah, start with what's changing in the in in the world we're in and how 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 that company can solve for that pain. That's yeah. that's. I mean, to your point with you know with Pixar with Disney, they're all great storytellers. That's why we love them. When is the conference again? Remind me the dates of it. August 20th to 22nd in Toronto. Uh, we've got about 750 marketers who are going to gather together, big focus on people with you know backgrounds in demand, digital content. Uh, the speaker lineup we have is out of this world. Great, uh, great B2B marketing speakers, um, you know, guys like Marcus Sheridan. And, you know, we've got uh, the VP of marketing from Pardot. Um, we've got uh, Jay Bear, who's very involved in this conference. And then we've got even some great inspiration on the B2C side. We've actually, in addition to Matthew from Pixar, we've got uh, the, the guy who was a CMO at Beats by Dre, right? Oh, cool. Like the, the headphones. And just the story of growth there and how they focused on content and focused on that experience and, you know, leveraged the communities around them to build authority for something that was previously seen as, as just, you know, something you tossed in your ear that, that wasn't necessarily a high ticket item um, and, and changed the definition of, of what people expect there. So it's, it's a great couple of days in Toronto and, uh, you know, it's, it's, been, it's been fun doing that the last number of years. Cool. Well, you know, it's impressive to pull 700 people up to Toronto. Still a good time of the year to go, so that would be good. Well, let's wrap up with this thought, and I, and I hope everybody listening takes away a point, which is, you know, I, I talked about Apple, Apple Computer. Let's come back to Apple. iTunes. iTunes is not iTunes anymore, right? It's, it's something much bigger than that in terms of a media store. Um, we as marketers and salespeople need to think about effective messaging and positioning. Don't get so wrapped up in telling people what category you are. Start with the why, add the stories and the messaging and the positioning, but stay true to yourself and your company and, and try to resist the temptation of getting bored with your own, with your own content. I, I you know, came back from Ireland and I was at the Guinness Storehouse, which was another great location. They are still true to who they are and they still sell, tell the same story you know, that they've told for years about, you know, why the company was founded and about their product and why it's so tasty and delicious. And they, they haven't changed that. They've evolved the multimedia and the way that they do it and the engagement and everything like that. But, um, you know, that's just think about that when and think about it when product marketing comes to you and maybe suggest a repositioning or statement. Ask yourself, you know, is that what we're going to do every single year, a couple of years, is keep repositioning and remessaging? Because it's not helpful for building an audience and a following. It can actually pose a lot of challenges. Final words? Yeah, it's cool. As you as you were saying that, I thought to myself, I'm going to pull up the Wayback Machine. Do you ever use that? Like the, I have the internet. It's been a long time. Yeah, it's so cool. You got go check out your own website in the in the just Google Wayback Machine, and I did that, and I did that for Uberflip because I know that we've stayed we've stayed true. And and if you go to the headline of of what they have from our first day in 2012 when we existed, it was the idea to easily create more engaging experiences. Right um, now, we didn't do it as you said for all the different ways we do it today. Just the way iTunes only did it for you know specific forms of music on day one. But we've stayed true for what we're what we're about, which is to easily create great reading experiences. Um, and that's that's something that 
allows us, you know, to, to think back, like, are we still on that track? So I, I couldn't agree more with you. Cool. Well, hey, that's going to wrap it up, everybody. Thank you, Randy. Say hi to the team for me. Uh, and uh, appreciate you all tuning in to Demand Gen Radio. Hope you're enjoying the content. Got a lot of great episodes coming up. So stick with me. Hit that like button if you are into that. And definitely share the content with your team and others. And if uh, you have any suggestions, you know how to find me on LinkedIn or through email. Love to hear from you. Always do. Thanks so much, everybody. Take care. You've been listening to Demand Gen Radio, bringing you the top industry experts, thought leaders, authors, marketing technology firms, and senior marketing leaders from around the world to teach you the methods and technologies for high-performance marketing.